You know, those two songs that we heard from the choir and from what Lori, that, that's a message in itself. There, <laughs> be real easy just give an invitation and go with that because the Spirit's going to use those songs. But I love knowing where you're going. Does everybody here know where you're going? There are a lot of folks out there don't. But you need to know. Most important decision you'll make in life. In fact, it's the only decision you want to be right with. And then the anchor does hold. I can attest. Uh, seen God move in my life and work in my life. When I've been down, uh, that old anchor holds. I've seen God move in the life of my loved ones and my brothers and sisters in Christ. That anchor always holds. It is a steadfast anchor. And I pray everybody, because your time's coming. You may be good today, but one of these days there's going to be a trial come your way. It could be your health, your finances. It could be a lot of things. And I'm here to tell you, you need to hang on to that anchor. And what's great about the anchor is it's always there. Amen. Uh, while I was down, and I know some of you probably thought, well, you know, you've been out of church for a little while. I bet you you just turned on the NFL pregame and you just watched games. Believe it or not, when Lori left and it was just me there and the Lord, yes, I had the TV on, but I watched preaching. Charles Stanley, David Jeremiah, Robert Jeffress, I watched preaching. I also watched some hooey-fooey. Amen? There's some stuff on the TV. I want you to understand, don't waste your time. The Bible tells us that in the last days, there'd be many that would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And right now, mark it down, even though some churches seem to be full, other churches that are preaching the gospel, that are standing for the word of God and standing for the faith, they're the ones that seem to be struggling with people coming. But those that peddle apostasy, false doctrine, they're thriving. If you don't believe me, turn over there and watch that church in Houston, Texas. Anybody from Texas? Yeah, I know, but we don't watch Houston. Be careful. I know y'all are moving. Y'all are getting close to Houston. Don't go near that silly Lakewood church in Houston, Texas. You say, well, what is an apostate? Glad you asked. It is someone that rebels against the teaching of the Word of God. It is someone that defects from the truth. And it scares me. So many churches out there, and I'm going to get in trouble. I'll make some Baptists mad. It scares me that even those in our own work, the Baptist work, have gotten away from the truth. 
So I sit there and I watch some of that and I'd say, nope, turn that off. And God would speak to my heart a little bit. You know, I know that times are hard and times are going to continue to be hard. In fact, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But it will get better one day. One day, the church is going home. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But he says, we need to preach the word. We need to preach it and stand for it and not be ashamed or afraid of what men think or want to do to us. You know, uh, let's go to our text. Turn your Bibles to the book of Jude. Some of you probably even hadn't studied that book a whole lot because it's right before the book of Revelation. It's only 25 verses. But understanding the book of Jude, understand that Jude was writing to the church. By the way, Jude was the Lord's half-brother. Amen. And the book of Jude was written around 68 to 70 A.D. It was written about the same time the second epistle of Peter was written. But this little small book, Jude was addressing the church to watch out for those that will creep in and that will defect from the truth. And that was happening back then. Look at it happening today. If it was happening back then, it's really happening now. So we've got to guard ourselves. Jude, we're going to begin reading in verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels who kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignity. So let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be here with your people. Thank you for Lone Mountain and what they mean to my life. I thank you that you have allowed me to shepherd your flock here. Lord, I just thank you that, Lord, as a church, no, we're not perfect. We are flawed. We have many issues. But, dear God, one thing that we do stand upon is your word, and we proclaim it, and we teach it. And Lord, we lift you up as the only way of salvation. And Lord, may we continue to stand. Lord, I ask that this morning, 
as we break the bread of life, you bless your word. Give me the words to say. Bring to my memory those things, Lord. Lay it upon my heart to preach this morning. And Lord, deal with hearts this morning. If there's one, whatever reason needs to come, especially concerning the salvation of their soul, we pray, Lord, that when the invitation is given, they would respond. Thank you for everyone gathered here. Thank you for our membership. Thank you for our guests. And Lord, just may you be honored and glorified today, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of a somber reminder because I will go ahead and say it. I won't be popular. But the reason the church is in the shape she's in today is because of the pulpits in America have become silent concerning preaching the whole counsel of God. You see, we don't mind preaching when it comes to getting people in and preaching what they want to hear because after all, the more numbers you get in, the more that's in the treasury. You say, preacher, you shouldn't say that, but there's a lot of churches out there. It's all about what goes into the offering plate. Folks, now, yes, it takes money to run a church. And what I mean by that, you got to pay for the lights. You have to spend money. I understand that. We got missionaries to support. It takes money. But that should never be the reason preachers preach. They should be preaching because God has called them to deliver the Word of God. And our pulpits today are silent anymore. We're afraid we're going to offend someone. And that's a shame. You know, we're worried about people, offending people. What about offending God? Do you ever stop to think, when we don't preach God's truth and we don't teach God's word, we are offending him. And also, we're going to give an account. So, Jude is addressing the church and he begins in verse 3 by saying, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, and what's he talking about, that common salvation? Listen, the early church, the word of God was proclaimed what it took to be saved. Common salvation. And I want to tell you, it ain't church membership. It's not baptism. It's not good works. It's in Christ, in Christ alone. Our salvation is only through Him. There is no other salvation out there. And y'all know that. But believe it or not, there are those that will creep in unaware and they will say, no, no, <coughs> it's Jesus, but. And anytime someone says, but, run. Amen. Because there's only one way. There's only one truth. And there's only one life through the Lord Jesus Christ, salvation. So notice what he says. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered unto the saints. Most churches have no clue today about what it means to contend for the faith. We show up for an hour. 
have a prayer, sing a couple songs. Preacher, if he's not long-winded, does his thing, out the door we go, and I've done my service. And we think to ourselves, we've contended for the faith. No. When it means to contend for the faith, it means to stand. Even when everybody, Satan himself, comes against you, and, (laughs) boy, I'll get in trouble. It's getting harder and harder in God's church to contend for the faith. You would think it'd be easy here, getting harder, because you get people that come in that were ordained of old, that creep in, and you see, we have the idea, oh, at least they're coming. It doesn't matter who comes through those doors. We'll just take them the way they are. Wrong. That's the problem with 40,000 people in Houston at the old Summit Arena. Say, Brother John, don't attack. I'm telling you the truth. Those folks are accepted just the way they are. Doesn't matter what background. It don't even matter if they're saved or not. They'll take any baptism. Folks, God help us to stand. Help us. Now, he's talking about contending for the faith, but this is where I want to go. For there were certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness, and that's evil, y'all, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as I said, one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. We are saved by the blood of Jesus. But now I want to share what Jude says. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this. Isn't it amazing how early church forgot? And before we throw stones at the early church, how many times have we forgot? How many people in our midst in the church have forgotten the doctrine and the word of God that has been preached and taught to them? How many just, I don't want to believe that. It goes against what I think. So I won't believe that anymore. How many of us have forgotten? Jude had to stir up their memory. Do you remember, you know, this isn't hard. You should always remember this and understand the children of Israel knew all about what Jude was fixing to teach them. But he had to stir their memory because they forgot. And we got Baptists out there today that have forgotten that they're Baptists. Amen. Whoa, I'm a Christian first. Yes, I'm a Christian first. I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm blood-bought. But I'm Baptist because it's the closest to what Jesus taught. And I'm not ashamed to be a Baptist. Amen. I will not hold my head down. You're an old fuddy-duddy. Yep. 
You're an old fundamentalist. Yep. You're an old conservative. Yep. I am Baptist. He says, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. He's giving us examples. It all started with God hearing the cries of the children of Israel, taking them out of Egypt to the promised land. But while they were on their way to the promised land, people began to murmur and complain. And before long, we're talking between two and a half and three million people. Before long, everybody seemed like started murmuring and complaining. And you know what happens when you murmur and complain and you begin to long back for the old world, which Egypt is a picture of sin in the world. You know what happens? It overtakes you if you don't repent of it and turn away from it. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. It started out with just a few. And let me just say this too. None of the children of Israel deserved to go to the promised land. But God, in his love for them and his grace, chose to deliver them out of bondage. But also, understand, God sees all and knows all, and he doesn't let sin go Everybody's got the idea today, oh, God's just so merciful. He'll forgive me. If you truly mean it, yes, he will forgive. But I'm going to tell you what he's not going to do. You're not going to continue to live in sin. Say, oh, Lord, forgive me, and go on and continue sin. Oh, Lord, forgive me. That's not true repentance. When you repent, it means you turn away from. So the children of Israel, yes, He offered grace. He offered mercy. And he led them. But because of their unbelief, because they rebelled and wanted to worship false gods, guess what he did? From the age of 20 and up, they wandered for 40 years until they all died off. The only two from that generation that was allowed to enter were Joshua and Caleb. And then those under 20 were allowed to enter. But do you see what Jude is saying here? Remember, you should already know this. You see, the devil uses the same tactics. And he still uses them today. And if we don't watch ourselves and guard ourselves, we are going to be in trouble. Notice what he says. And I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you knew this, how that the Lord saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. You would have thought, children of Israel have been grateful. Bondage 400 years, finally, 
God has heard their cry. Now he's taken them to the promised land, the land of Canaan, flows with milk and honey. You would have thought they'd have been thankful. But before we throw rocks at the children of Israel, there's times we don't act very thankful. Oh, as long as everything's going good, I got money in the bank, got a nice ride to ride in, a nice roof over my head and clothes on my back. Oh, I'm good. But we don't show any gratitude. You know what's sad? Don't get me wrong. I'm thankful that we have Thanksgiving. And the Bible tells us many times in Scripture about being grateful and thanksgiving. But isn't it sad that we have to have a holiday to be reminded? And it's only once a year. It's a shame, isn't it? But the point is, be careful. God sees everything. He's not going to let it slide. And then look what he said here. And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he's reserved into everlasting chains under darkness into the judgment of the great day. Now, I don't know if you've pondered this, but I, I have. Now, you can go over to Isaiah chapter 14. It'll talk a little bit about Lucifer. But understand, at one time, Lucifer and the angels that rebelled with them inhabited heaven. And they were around the throne of God. They were able to worship God. <clears throat> but somehow, and that's above my capability to understand, but somehow pride crept into Lucifer, who's Satan, by the way, and he began to want to be God. He wanted to take God's place. And because of it, he rebelled and was expelled along with a third of the angels out of heaven. Expelled from God. Now here, they're around the throne. They see God in all of his majesty and glory. And they're able to worship God. They're able to do what we're looking forward to one day, those of us that are saved. But they were expelled. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, even today, there are people that had rather be expelled from the presence of God than to obey and worship Him. And I'll even say this, and I won't charge you. There's people, even in the church house, even though they faithfully come through the doors, they had rather be expelled from God than to serve him and worship him. How's that? Well, they come through the doors, they sit, they hear the word of God taught and preached, and there's no conviction. There's those that come and they hear the word, there's no study, there's no prayer, there's no gratitude. They're expelled from God's presence, just as he expelled Satan and a third of the angels. And Jude is reminding the church, don't have that spirit. Don't have that apostate spirit among you. 
And the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he's reserved in everlasting chains of darkness into the judgment of the great day. Judgment of the great day. That's when God judges the world. Satan included. And even though Satan for the last 2,000 years He's pretty much done his thing, led many people astray, causing all kinds of havoc in the world. Understand, that's a drop in the bucket when it comes to eternity and the judgment of God that's going to come upon him. And for every apostate that's out there trying to defect from the truth, get people to stop living for God, that's also what they have to look forward to, the eternal chains of darkness. Do you all understand that this morning? And that's what Jude's trying to share. And then verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them. And by the way, everybody knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. But did you just read what Jude said? And the cities around them, about them. You know, we always, always Sodom and Gomorrah. Because of the influence of Sodom and Gomorrah, it influenced those cities that were around them. That's how prevalent it was. You mean to tell me, preacher, they had homosexuality back in the Lord's day? Yes, there's nothing New under the sun. And I know I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not politically correct. But understand, sodomy, and I don't have to go into any more details than that. You adults know what sodomy means. Is an abomination. He, Leviticus, he that layeth with mankind the same way he layeth with womankind, it is an abomination. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. I've heard some of these, I'll go ahead and say it, idiots that think they know the Bible. That's the Old Testament. We don't live that right. You're right. But it's in the New Testament. You want to go back to the Old Testament. No, it's in the old and the new. And for the sake of time, we won't turn over there, but Romans 1, 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. There's several scriptures there that deal with it. But you see, this is what is wrong with our country. The election, and I'll get in trouble. No, I'm not going to go too much in politics, but the election. One side, the economy. The economy, crime. The other side, the only thing they got is abortion and homosexual rights. And don't get me wrong. Jesus loves you. If you had homosexual, homosexual tendencies and maybe you were a homosexual or you still are, listen to me, God loves you. Jesus died for you, and Jesus will forgive you of that sin, and he will save your soul. But I assure you, you get a dose of Jesus, 
What I mean by that, you get saved, that lifestyle will be gone. But we have embraced it as a society. That's all you hear. And I'm going to tell my age now. When I was a kid, none of that stuff was ever mentioned. And you never had to worry about that stuff. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be raised in that generation. I didn't have to worry about that. Dear God, I'd be in prison. You say, Brother John, I'd be in prison. You just didn't know. Now I'm really going to make folks mad. The reason America is in the shape she is in today is because of allowing that and abortion. We are under the judgment of God and God has taken his hand off our nation and that's why we are in the shape we are. We are divided and our country is falling and it's falling fast. Oh, inclusion. Hey, I love inclusion and, and again, Anybody come through those doors, they're welcome. I'm going to love them in Christ. I'm going to share Christ with them, but I'm not going to condone their lifestyle. But too many today in our churches condone it. They say, it's okay. No, it's not. Why isn't it? Because of the Word of God. But here's what I want to share with you. Everybody is teaching today, oh, it doesn't matter how you live. Doesn't matter. You can be that. God just loves you. Y'all seen that Jesus is us commercial? Jesus is us. Uh, no. If I'm saved, I'm one of his. But he isn't us. He is God manifested in the flesh. You see, they're trying to take the Lord down and make him just like us. No. You see, he is deity. And I don't know if you've listened to some of these people on the TV, especially some of these uh, politicians, one in particular. Man all has a spark of divinity in him. Hooey, hooey. That spark doesn't come but through the Holy Spirit under conviction and repentance and by faith in God through Christ His Son. Y'all understand? Don't listen to people, but listen to this. This is what's scary. He says, even the Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh. And again, you know what he's talking about. I want you to get this. Are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I'm saved. 
and I can continue in my sin, and I'm going to heaven. Did you not get what we just read? No. It's a sin. It's an abomination. Will God forgive that sin? Absolutely. He'll forgive any sin except one. If you choose to reject his son, that's unpardonable. But he'll forgive any sin. All manner of sins. I'm thankful it's all manner because, boy, (laughs) I sinned a lot before I met the Savior. I did all kinds of stuff. Didn't do that sin, but I committed sin, and I'm no better than anyone that is gay. I'm a sinner. I'm just saved by the grace of God. I've been forgiven. And my prayer for you is you'll be forgiven if you'll come. But people want to say, oh, it's okay, I can live any old way. No, Jude is telling them, you are to remember suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. That's what happens when someone rejects Christ. Someone won't repent of their sin, won't recognize they're a sinner. They suffer the eternal vengeance of God, judgment. And then finally, look. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. How many of you have noticed how sinful mankind has become? I mean, every evil imagination and thought, man is doing it. And of course, remember what God said in Genesis 6, 5? The thoughts of man were continually evil. It repented God that he even made man. That's how wicked. Now that was back then. Uh, Think about the thoughts today. In other words, they were so wicked and their imaginations were so far from God that literally in their flesh, Brother Shiro, they couldn't contain it. That's where we're at today. You've been watching the news. I watched a lot of news. Lori shakes her head. She comes, oh, you're watching that again? Well, yeah, I, I, I watch news. I do. I want to stay informed. And I don't know, you know, most of these uh, reporters, uh, they're not going to share the truth with you, but I, I, I watch some news. And saw a woman on a bus get beat up by three guys because they were picking on a kid. And this lady must have been in her 70s or 80s, and she stood up for this kid that these boys were picking on. And they were literally beating her and kicking her and trying to throw her off a bus. I watched another man standing at the subway, just standing, minding his own business, and the guy comes from behind and pushes him off into the tracks. You see, men's wicked imaginations have gotten away from them. Anymore, I hate to say it, I'm not surprised anymore. Used to things would surprise me, but I'm not. Because men's thoughts are only to do evil continually. Amen. But notice what it says. 
Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh and despise dominion. They despise authority. And you young people, if you've got godly parents that will correct you and chastise you when you do things wrong, don't get angry. Be thankful because they love you enough to discipline you. And I'll go ahead and say it. The generation coming up behind us, they despise authority. Do you see them spitting on the police, throwing bricks at the police, shooting police? No respect for authority. And that's what he's talking about. Parents, Are you being the parent God expects you to be? Listen, if you love them, you'll correct them. And I'm not talking about, oh, go stand in the corner. Oh, give me your game. You can't play your game for an hour. Whip their tails. Don't beat them. There's a difference in beating and whipping. Don't throw them against the wall. Throw them down. Hit them with your fist. No, that's abuse. But whip their tail. In fact, the Bible tells us, can't kill them if you whip them with many rods on the backside. Why do you think we got all that padding? Some more than most, others. I had some padding, so they really had to beat me when I was growing up. That's if they could hit that spot more than once. Most of the time, it was the nap of the neck to the heels. Anything in between was fair game. I'd be running around. My dad finally broke me of that. Because I just keep running around, and he just keeps swinging. And when I finally got tired of running around, he'd give me a couple more, and say, that's enough. I'm smarter than what I look. I learned lessons. Don't catch the field on fire. I got beat for that. I'm going to whip it. I got beat for that. Duh. I could have burnt the whole place down. Guess what? After that whipping, I never played with fire again. Yeah, I, I learned. The point I'm trying to make is this. We're bringing up a generation that doesn't respect authority, that aren't disciplined. And you know what's going to happen if the Lord delays his coming and we are all called home and this country's left to them? This country will be gone. No patriotism, no respect for authority, and notice one thing else, and speak evil of dignities No respect for the Lord God or his word. This generation, they hate us. Generation coming behind us, they hate us, they mock us, they want us gone. Why? Because we represent light, they're in darkness. 
And they don't want to be reminded of darkness. They want to live any old way they want to. And nobody say nothing. If we don't say something, what's going to happen to them? What's going to happen to the, their children, the generation that comes up behind them? I'll get in trouble for what I'm about to say, but I'm going to share the truth with you. We as America was once known as a Christian nation. We are no longer a Christian nation. Yes, there is a little or a few left in the country that are Christian, but in the most part, our nation's gone. We're not Christian anymore. God help us. And that's what Jude was trying to warn the early church about. These things are going to happen. When you see them, and here's the examples, when you see these things, learn to stand. I'm going to hush because, boy, that food smells good. I know some of you are, I know, I, I see that. I want you to understand something, though. Everybody that's a member of Lone Mountain, you ought to thank God you got a church that preaches the truth and warns you and tries their best to teach you the Word of God. Now, that's all I can do is I can preach and I can teach you the Word, but then it's up to you. You can either accept it and receive it or you can deny it and reject it. But if you're here and you're a visitor and you're looking and searching for a church home, that is going to preach the Word of God, that is going to teach the Word of God, then prayerfully consider us. Because I can tell you, you can go to a lot of churches around here. They may have bigger and better buildings. They may have more programs. They probably got better speakers than me and what we have here. But they don't preach and teach the truth. You say, that's awful arrogant. Nope, that's just fact. I'm nothing apart from Christ. I am nothing, but I'm thankful for my salvation, and I'm thankful he placed a call on my life to brag on him. And I'm thankful for this church. Again, there's bigger churches. There's nicer facilities. There's nicer this and that. But you know what? I wouldn't trade Low Mountain for all of them out there. We are special. And guess what? God's going to bless us because of our stand. But we must earnestly stand and contend for the faith. Even when it's not popular. even when it's not popular. Now, are you an apostate? Or are you a true believer? That's the question. And by the way, these apostates, they weren't saved. Y'all understand that? They weren't saved. They just crept in to the church and started changing the Word of God. 
uh, maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. I have the authority of God's Word to tell you if you will come, Jesus will save you and not cast you away. I have the authority to tell you when Jesus forgives, He forgives forever. Your sins will he not remember any more. Aren't you tired of living in sin? You know, I was the most miserable person when I was a lost man. I was miserable. And I would watch Christians and seem like, man, they're... They're going through things, but how come they've got a different attitude? How come they can smile with all of this chaos in their life? How come? It's because they had an anchor that holds. It's because they knew where they were going. I didn't have that at that time. And I was miserable. You see, I, I'd listen to the devil. I believed his lie. Ah, oh, you're good. You do good things. You've never robbed no one. You've never murdered no one. You're a good moral person. <laughs> yeah. You're just as good as anybody goes to church. And oh, here's another one I believe. I could worship the Lord anywhere. I don't have to be in a building. I don't have to go to church. I can worship him in a deer stand. Lie. I can worship him on the lake. Lie. I can just worship him here in my recliner watching TV. Lie. No. No. Here's the problem. Could you worship God? Yeah, you can worship God anywhere. That's true. But where does God get his glory? Is it at the lake? Is it on the deer stand? Is it in your recliner? No, it's in the church. And by the way, we say that all the time. I can worship him anywhere, but we don't do it. I can worship him in the fishing boat, yeah. What are you doing? You worshiping or are you trying to cast that line out there into the lake, catch a fish? Here's my point, and I promise we're done. If you're here under the sound of my voice, and you're not sure about your relationship, as the song says, you better make sure you know where you're going. And it's, it is a decision that only you can make. I can't make it for you. Mom and dad can't make it for you. Grandma and grandpa, your children can't make it for you. Kids, your parents can't make it for you. It's a decision you and you alone must make. Please come. Church, Lone Mountain, we got to guard ourselves. Be careful. They'll come through those doors. And I know we've been told, oh, doesn't matter. Just bring them in. It's numbers. No. You want them here for the right reason. They've been born again. They desire the truth and they want to worship and serve God.
That's what we want. We just don't want to take up space and compare ourselves with them across the street. One day, I don't know, there's one, I don't remember when it was, but I remember one time, it's fairly early when I took the church. I saw a lot of cars. And I pulled alongside, you know, you can pull over. I started counting cars. I lost count. It, it, it was up there. I thought, good night. Could you imagine if all of those cars were parked in this parking lot? And then God told me it ain't about the number, boy. Not about the building and the program. It's about your obedience to me. Amen. So if you're under the sound of my voice and you need Jesus, you need to come during the invitation. Altar's open. You come. Let's have a song, Brother Bob, Sister Holly. Yeah, it's time to eat, so we won't drag the invitation. If you don't come, we're just going to go ahead and close it. Listen to me, but the invitation's still open even after we close it. You can grab a chicken leg and you can still say, Pastor, I need to talk to you about my soul. Oh, hey, I'm here for you. Well, let's bow and ask God's blessing. Father, as we come, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your warning and Lord, I thank you for allowing me to be able to share it this morning. Lord, I don't know the spiritual condition of those that I'm before, but you do. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, let them be saved. If there's someone struggling in their walk, Lord, please let them come. Lord, may they seek you, ask for guidance and strength. Lord, just deal with hearts this morning. Maybe their walk isn't what it once was. Lord, allow them to come back be restored to fellowship. We just want you to have your way. Lord, we desire you this morning to have your way in our lives and hearts. Bless the invitation and thank you again for this time you've given us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.